so I have the unstoppable Whitney Shea, hashtag busy little singer tonight. <laughs> Whitney, you are a four-time San Diego Music Award winner, including 2019 Artist of the Year and 2019 Blues Music Award nominee. Um, and you aren't just popular here in the States. You've been touring around Europe and South America, killing it out there. Uh, your latest release from on a Rough Records is Stand Up, which debuted at number one on the Billboard Blues album charts. No biggie. And <laughs> reached number one on the Roots Music Report Blues albums chart. And not only that, but the industry is calling you a future blues icon. One of the best things in soul music and the epitome of a rising star. That's pretty good. Those are some wow. pretty good accolades. Well, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. But you, it's well-deserved. I mean, you've got songs all over the place, too, on shows like NBC or on networks, NBC, HBO, Bravo, BET. You even have one on Tyler Perry's Amadea Family Funeral. Nice. It's pretty crazy <laughs> when, yeah. you, when you read it all. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm telling you, I, I follow, you know, your career and I'm, I'm always just so incredibly, you know, inspired and excited and rooting for you. And it's, it's really, really cool to see everything that's happening for you. Um, so what else are you up to? What are you doing right now? Any projects or any shows coming up we need to know about? What's up? Yeah. So, um, it's been really cool. Um, I've had, the time to kind of get recording and I've been setting up my home recording studio. So I've been able to do so far um, like three or four different recording in place um, things. I just did a project about a week ago with, um, it's called the San Diego Online Digital Big Band. So my friend Chaz Cabrera organized a whole big band and everybody recorded their own part separately. He wrote the arrangement and videoed it and then he mixed and mastered the song and the video. And I mean, that's quite a feat when you have, you know, 20 people in, in a video trying to mix all that together. So he did a great job. And then um, my writing partner wrote this beautiful song a few weeks ago called You're Not Alone, which was um, celebrating first responders and essential workers. And um, we got a lot of uh, photos from our friends who were nurses, uh, and we made a video of that, and we had people from Brazil and the UK and all over. Um, I should have asked you to sing on it, too. Oh, uh, but we next had pandemic. <laughs> we had a lot of um, standing friends. Our friend Rebecca Jade was on it too. Um, so it was a really cool project, um, bringing people together. And I've done, you know, a couple other projects. And so, I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing with the time right now is um, working on little projects here and there. My writing partner and I also meet, meet. We meet virtually a couple times a week for writing. We kind of took a couple weeks off, but we're getting back into it again starting next week. So. It's been nice to have the time to create and I guess the headspace to create because we're so busy normally. I mean, I, I know you know um, that you don't always have that time unless you carve it out. So yeah. having this time right now has been nice to just enjoy the creative process again. 
Yeah, I yeah. Really love that. You know, speaking of that, you posted um, a really, really heartfelt post on Facebook um, uh, sometime this week, and you were just talking about um, your perspective on, uh, you know, how you're feeling about things going on around you. Maybe uh, elaborate a little bit on that. Um, yeah, it's been, you know, it's an interesting time right now because I feel like there's a lot of fear and anger and doubt going on in the world right now. Um, and I think it's really important to try to propagate positivity yeah. and love right now because, because people are scared and there's, you know, bad news every day and it's hard to you know, stay positive and stay motivated. And I, and I really have enjoyed having projects to do because mm -hmm. I think that that's when I really do my best and feel the best is when I have stuff constantly going on. Um, and so this has been very interesting for me because I'm always my, I mean, like, you know, my hashtag is busy little singer. I'm always busy. So kind of having this time to reflect um, first of all, it's been great to connect with loved ones, to actually have phone conversations with people. I think that is something that we all in the world needed, that yeah. that time to just breathe. Um, so that's been wonderful. Um, but at the same time, like obviously sometimes when you have too much time on your hands, you can start to get down and start to feel lethargic. So I think it's, you know, it's we have to give ourselves a break and we just have to be kind to ourselves and kind to everyone else. And I think it's too easy right now with, you know, politics being so divisive. I think it's just important for us all to just be kind to one another and really like, and we realize how, even though our job might not be essential, mm -hmm. it is essential right now because people are so desperate for an escape. They're so desperate yeah. for, you know, that, creative release that music provides for a lot of people and I just I feel super grateful for what we get to do every day and especially now even when we're not working I mean we're still you know connecting with people on Facebook and you realize how small the world is mm -hmm. through social media I mean that's the beautiful thing about it yeah yeah oh my gosh I'm totally on the same sheet with you on that it's it's just you know I think we we all have to remember that everybody processes different mm -hmm. you know we're all in different places at different times and i think the more we can just redirect our time and attention and our energy towards those things that really do matter and believe me i get caught up i get caught up and you know in the stuff and everything but i uh i think as the longer this goes on, I'm more often really trying to redirect that attention. I mean, um, you know, we do in the music career, it can be an extremely busy life and our, you know, the people we love, um, we miss out on a lot of time with them. Mm -hmm. And this is in just an extraordinarily rare opportunity. I mean, I have two kids, so I'm getting time with them that is like, you know, priceless. It's priceless. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to be grateful for and the fact as musicians, I mean, imagine this, um, happening 
20 years ago when we didn't have this technology, you know? Right, what, what exactly. It gives us a totally new platform. I mean, and, and like you said, it's so interesting right now. Um, I started dating somebody, you know, uh, back last at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. And right when we started dating, I went on a six week tour. And then I came home and then within two weeks, this happened. And so it's, it was kind of interesting because this whole year I had slated out to be touring. And so starting a relationship during that time was always going to be, you know, we'd see how it went. Yeah. But I will say if I didn't have that relationship and the other relationships around me to keep me sane right now, I mean, that has been the amazing thing is having time to spend with somebody. And I figure, hey, if you can get through a six week tour and a pandemic where both of us lose our jobs and we still like each other, that's a good sign. <laughs> it is. It's a good test. <laughs> How's he doing so far? <laughs> He's doing well. He's doing well. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So you had some really major plans before all of this. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, unfortunately, a lot of things kind of came to this screeching halt. Um, and your, you know, your, um, your career is just like on fire. And, to, you know, to have that momentum is so, you know, important with what you do. So how did that feel for you having to cancel that stuff and what what are your feelings about it now that you've had time to yeah handle it? <laughs> you know it's it's a very interesting it's been it's been a the process what do they say like the 12 stages of grief or yes. i can't remember how many of them. <laughs> um so at first you know it like it kind of bummed me out um i, I think to be honest through this this whole process I have been sad about that, but maybe like I've been more sad about, you know, places that like here at home that have closed. Mm -hmm. Although like my tour canceling is is awful and I'm I was so excited about it, maybe because I didn't have those physical locations like embedded in my memory. Like I wasn't as attached to those, I guess. Yeah. So like I think it's more like places that I performed here, like like the belly up, you know, canceling my CD release show. That was a big thing. I mean, that that was, I was really sad about because, you know, you work so hard on this album and it was doing so well and had all this momentum and then to not get to celebrate that, that was a bummer. But at the same time, I always think that the universe teaches us balance. And so I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, there's nothing, nothing more like life teaching you balance when your album is billboard number one and you're applying for unemployment at the same time you know <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> if that if that isn't life teaching you balance i mean that's the truth but you know i mean the the wonderful thing is is that people have been reaching out i mean people have still been buying albums um you know stuff is getting rescheduled till next year so i mean we're gonna get back to it I've been very bummed about it, but at this point, I, I feel okay. I mean, I try to, I think the thing is, is I try not to dwell on it too much because it's out of our control, um, unfortunately. And, you know, some days I, I wonder, I'm like, you know, am I, I've lost all this momentum, you know, should I be doing more? Should I be, you know, working harder? What should I be doing right now? But I think 
like I said, it's so out of our control that you can't get too caught up about that kind of stuff. I mean, yes, it would be wonderful to be touring right now, but we have to stay safe, first of all, and that's the biggest priority. And I think the thing is that, like I said about social media, this has really shown how small the world is too, because I have international friends and everyone is going through the same thing at the same time. I mean, to talk to a friend in the UK and Brazil and France, and everyone is dealing with the same thing. I mean, that gives you some sense of, satisfaction in a way that we're all connected i guess and that it's not just us going through it yeah oh definitely you know and i i make no predictions on when we'll be back performing live i mean i think that's you know there's a lot around that um and it is most important that you know it's it's a safe Right. environment for everybody involved to go back to that. But the prediction I have that I'm kind of putting a lot of hope into is that by the time, um, you know, live venues are opening up and, you know, we're, um, it's more feasible to do this stuff. People are going to be so hungry for it. Yeah. You know, they really, really are. People are going to want to go out and, you know, experience music live again. So I have no doubt that, you'll pick up right where you left off in that fireball. So. Just keep I have rolling. universe. I have a tour in Europe scheduled for the fall. Please don't let that cancel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. I had a, a friend say to me sometime, like maybe the first, maybe the last week of February or the first week of March. And she's, she asked me, she said, well, have you guys had any cancellations because of this thing? And I was like, no, it's not yeah. that bad. <laughs> and then like days later, oh, it's crazy. I got back from Europe March 1st. Yeah, I got oh, back and they closed like my, I finished that first tour, which was awesome, but they closed the borders. Um, I know like our gigs and things started to shut down um, March 13th, I think was like the last, the last day, like when schools were closing and everything was starting to close. So it was like literally like, you know, 12 days later after I got back and my grandmother was asking me like, Oh, are you worried about, and I didn't, I didn't even know anything about that at that point. I hadn't even heard anything, but it was interesting because there was another musician who's on the same label who had a tour right after us. And he started that tour and he was about a week into a 30 day tour and it was falling apart while he was there. I mean, he had to come back and they all had to quarantine. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting because I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes I, I just wake up and you forget about it almost. And then, I don't know, you, you, you're reminded you go out for a walk and you see masks and, you know, and that's just the new reality that we're going to have to adapt to. And I got, it's interesting, um, George Varga from the Union Tribune called me the other day and he was talking about, you know, concerts and what they're going to be like, you know, now and yeah. are things going to change and drive in concerts and there's, and he was like, how are you going to feel if people are coming into a venue and getting their temperature taken and wearing masks and socially distanced? And I'm like, well, I mean, how do you answer that question? It's It's not like... I'm gonna love it, but it, my answer was is, well, we'll adapt because we have to, because the choice is, if we don't, then 
we find another career. And at this point, I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet because I just love what we do so much. And so we'll, we'll have to adapt. Yeah, we will adapt. I mean, when you think throughout history, all of the, um, you know, cycles and changes that society's gone through and, and music has always been, uh, you know, an important part of that and it has survived and uh, people are still thriving and, you know, we will, we'll be back at it and it's, it could be drastically different, but, you know, music's music. Yeah. No matter uh, what the conditions are around you, you know, that's the real kind of hard. I don't know about your voice, but my voice is feeling great with all yeah. this rest now. <laughs> yes, yes. Yep. And my, and taking a break from putting so much makeup on and my hair oh. is very depressed about this whole thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm saving a few bucks on makeup your hair looks great girl my hair my my roots are about your hair color now oh my god well we're <laughs> gonna pretend this right here is the light shining brightly on my head right now. i don't know what you're talking about all <laughs> i see is lighting mm -hmm. yeah oh my gosh well so with all of your um success obviously this did not happen overnight for you this has been a long time in the making um Tell me a little bit about your um, background, getting into music, like what was your schooling or training or mentorship? And, you know, what do you what do you think are some of the turning points for you? Sure. Um, so I started doing theater really young. I started doing musical theater. My first play was when I was three years old oh. um, and I did children's theater growing up and um, I let's see i went to college uh for theater as well i got my degree from san diego state in theater performance awesome. and i was with an ex and i moved to denver colorado the only other time i've lived outside of san diego um, i moved there for three months and we broke up and we had been planning he was an actor we'd been planning on moving to new york and you know trying the whole broadway thing so i came back and i'm like okay well what am i going to do with my life now and i found a I started looking through Craigslist and I found a pianist who was looking to start a jazz duo with a singer yeah. and um, right around the same time I started swing dancing and so some of my first gigs were playing for swing dances and um, and then shortly thereafter I there was a venue downtown called the Gas Lamp Speakeasy and they also had an ad on Craigslist and they were like oh um, we're auditioning bands so we went and auditioned and they were like great we want to book you four nights a week and i was like oh we were both like that's a lot so we're like how about three so my first regular gig which was pretty soon after i started um you know gigging as a musician was three nights a week four hours a night as a duo so myself and a pianist wow so as you know that's a lot of that's singing a lot. and a lot of material so i mean I guess I had no choice of like, just get it together. And um, so that was kind of my, I guess, cutting my teeth, you know, r really doing it. And, um, and so I started doing that. And then I started, you know, playing with different musicians. And um, a few years later, I met Robin Hinkle and him and I have been working together over the years. And then we were playing at a festival in uh, Dana Point, the Doheny Blues Festival. 
And a good friend of mine who's been kind of a champion, he's a blues promoter, been a good friend of mine for a long time, he had some musicians staying with him from Brazil. And they played the festival the day before. And so he was like, you got to come see this girl. So he brought them to come see me. Um, then a couple months later, um, my, my good friend now, Igor Prado, messages me and said, how would you like to come to Brazil and sing? And, and that was 2015. And now I've been back there six times I was supposed to be there in June again mm. and um, like I love Brazil so much that's been so that was kind of my first foray into like working internationally um, and then uh, last year I did my first um, so I saw okay going back sorry there's so many things it's, it's hard to remember though um, <laughs> so then I guess the next big thing um, I, I decided to do a, I, I had done one record in 2012 with a great producer, Archie Thompson, and we made that record and it was kind of when I was first starting out, um, he was looking to get into producing. And so him and I have worked together on and off over the years and, and gotten a lot of placements and he writes great songs and we've had a great partnership, but I really wanted to get more into songwriting and, um, kind of express expressing myself as an artist, I will say, because I never considered myself an artist before that, because I'm like, oh, I'm not singing my own songs. I want to sing original songs. So um, in 2018, I went up to the Bay Area and recorded with kind of a well-known producer in the blues and kind of put together kind of a, an all-star team for this album. And it got reviewed all over and got a lot of great response. And then I got a Blues Music Award nomination. And then when I did that album release concert at the Belly Up in 2018, um, a booking agent from Germany actually came to that show, which is so random. And um, he told the head of the label that I'm with, Roof Records, about me. And so uh, I met with Roof um, last January when he was here for the Grammys and signed the contract in May and then recorded this new record in um, October in Austin, Texas, which was an amazing experience with all super high level Austin musicians. And then um, was about to start this big world tour with the, uh, the Roof Records Blues Caravan, which was uh, 80 to 100 shows throughout the US and Europe. And so that started in February and was supposed to go till November, but obviously some stuff has shifted. So. I think that's all the things. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is like one of, it's one of my favorite things to talk about, especially with um, younger singers who are just kind of getting into the scene or want to, or are considering it. And I just, I love to talk about the fact that one thing will lead to another, will yep. lead to another, will lead to another. And you just got to let it. And yep. I think putting too much pressure on yourself really, really early on in your career to um, really define what your genre is and your niche and your, um, you know, like map it out too far in advance. Um, you know, you just don't need that kind of pressure because ultimately things are just going to unfold the way they do. But you've got to, you know, you've got to stay in the hustle constantly. Yeah. You've got to constantly be working on your you know, your craft and, um, you know, being a go-getter about it. And it sounds like that's really kind of how things played out for you. 
I mean, yeah, that the thing is, is I was raised by a single mother and she had her own businesses. And so I always like, have known the value of hard work since I was a kid. So, and especially growing up with a theater background, like if you're in theater, you're not late. And, you know, there's always five people who are looking to take your place, you know? And it's funny because musicians, we like to complain about um, not getting paid a lot, but actors get paid even less. I can <laughs> tell you that for sure. There's a reason why I didn't make a living as an actor, you know, and I changed to music and looked at to shift. I mean, I still love it, but, but my point being is like that really taught me the value of hard work. And, um, one of my acting teachers in college told me that, you know, you have to learn everything that you can. This goes back to what you're saying about genre and, you know, because that'll just make you more versatile. And I think that for me, like over the years, I've done a lot of different gigs. I've done played with a lot of different people and you always just try to be like, you know, easy to work with and um, just show up on time and do a good job. And I think that that is to me far greater for your career and your reputation than being talented because there's a lot of talented people, but not everybody has that drive. Like, I mean, I know a lot of people who are way more talented than me, but they don't have that desire to push. You know, and that is something that will really help you progress because it's a, it's a hard life. If you want to make it a living as a musician, it's a constant hustle. You constantly have to, you know, be your own booking agent and accountant and um, God, so many different things. Um, scheduler, like with all the band and music director and social media director. I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, we're, we love it. We wouldn't do it if we didn't love it. But I think that people sometimes expect things too early, like you said, and they just, it's so easy to, to look at social media and be like, oh, why are they doing this? And even I'm guilty of that sometimes. And Carissa um, Schroeder and I have high conversations about that. Like she said that for a while, um, Rebecca Jade and I, she had to unfollow because she was like too trying to compare herself, oh, you know, yeah. and yeah. her journey. And it's, it's easy to do that with social media. But I totally. think instead of doing that, if we're just like, wow, that's awesome for her. And we're like, but we realize that we're all different. I think mm -hmm. that's the thing is you're going to eventually find your own unique thing. I mean, for me, I tried a lot of different things and I figured out, I guess, my own niche. I mean, I wasn't setting out like, I'm going to be a blues singer. You know, I, that was never the thing. And I still don't even consider myself a blues singer. But it's just, you know, it's just from all the hard work and the time and developing my own niche. I mean, that'll come with time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Amen. I, I just, I can't tell you how um, important I think those points are that you made about the, you know, the professionalism behind it mm -hmm. and um, taking those less sexy behind the scene things seriously, like your bookkeeping and, you know, handling money properly, handling your schedule, mm -hmm. being where you need to be, um, when you need to be there. Um, because I really think when it comes down to it, I mean, your talent obviously is, you know, very important, but people want to work with people they like, Yep. you know, this is, you know, business full of, um, 
sensitive people and that's mm-hmm. those are the types of you know emotions that we live on and people want to li- work with who they like and you know if you're if you're a bummer to be with and a pain in the butt then i think you're going to put be put down at the bottom of the list and you know yeah, but, but if they remember amazing. you and think oh god they're such a light to be around they're so joyful i mean yeah. that that's a big bonus in your book yeah it really is yeah when that when that reputation you know follows you around but um, I also love that you, you were, you put these pieces together for yourself. You were out there like hustling, making it happen, not sitting around waiting for things to happen. Um, and I do really think that that's a misconception right now in the industry too. I think um, having the world of um, online music is incredible. And I love that. I love that kind of, you know, the landscape has totally changed on that. Um, and there's all of these huge, you know, YouTube stars and, um, Mm -hmm. people making a killing with their music online. Um, I love that, but I feel like there's a lot of up and comers who have that misconception that, you know, they're just going to get a ring light and a camera and, you know, (laughs) and be discovered, be discovered. And I, I know (laughs) at my core that those people that are, um, you know, hitting it big on YouTube and other platforms, they're working their butts off behind yep. the scenes. It's not just because a video went viral. And there's a lot of money behind it. There's a lot of money. Usually the ones who are in pop music, I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, like effort and money that went into that career, you know. It's, I mean, and, and that's the thing is, is your career is an investment. I mean, and you know voice lessons and training and stuff that's all the tools that you need to be able to have a sustaining career because i mean it's one thing to just be a flash in the pan but if you want to like work and keep working and keep consistent i mean you you need to have all those tools in your belt yeah yeah and when you start surrounding yourself with those people too mm-hmm. um those are the people that are going to be the most instrumental in getting you, you know, where you want to go, you know, um, and just, you know, I think we've got to put a, a ton of stock in our relationships. I mean, I think we just need to do that in life in general, yeah. um, but you know, in, in the music career, I think you've got to just really be so mindful of the way, um, you treat people, um, in front of them and behind them. Yeah, that's, wow, that's beautiful. (laughs) That's a beautiful statement for sure. It's it's a small world in these days. You know, I went, um, just kind of going back to what you were saying about like, you know, people thinking they're going to be YouTube stars and discovered, you know, it's, it's interesting also when you think about like, people are like, oh, I just need a manager, you know, oh, they're going to book me, they're going to do all this work. Well, I went to a conference in Nashville. And I mean, the great thing now is there's so many resources for um, young musicians too. Um, Ari Herstand has a great book called, do you have it? No, I, oh, I thought you were going to pull it. I thought you were going to be like, oh, here it is. Um, <laughs> he's got a great website and a great book, How to Succeed in the New Music Business. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. But, I know the name. I recognize but, the name. Yeah. But I went to, he spoke at um, a conference that I was at a couple of years ago, the CD Baby Conference. And CD Baby is a great resource. Yes. Um, but th- that conference was great because they had people from YouTube and all kinds of different panels that you could go to. And one of the best panels that I really enjoyed was an artist management panel with an uh, artist manager from Nashville. Mm-hmm kind of a boutique um, management company. 
And she was talking about like, you know, you don't need a manager until you have something to manage, you know, mm -hmm. and a manager is not going to do everything for you. It's not just like, oh, now I can hand it to you. No, there's like very specific things that once your career gets to a certain point, then you need a manager to help you and to, you know, guide you. And a great manager can do great things for you. But, you know, you have to do a lot of legwork before you get to that point that yeah. somebody is. And same with the booking agent, you know, to be able to get like a big booking agent to be booking, you know, big clubs and big festivals and things like that. To be on a roster, a talent roster of a big booking agency, you have to be doing a lot of shows on your own and selling tickets on your own and do a lot of legwork. I mean, Lizzo is a perfect example. You know, I've seen some stuff about her and she was like talking about sleeping in her car and, um, you know, and how many shows and tours she did before she got to this point. Yeah. I mean, yes. Another band I love, Lake Street Dive. I mean, they're doing really well now, but they've been together for over 10 years yeah. and they've been touring and doing all kinds of stuff. So it's just, it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. It does. And I think there's so much value too when you're handling that business on your own, even when it is, you know, extraordinarily hard. But when you understand all those different facets of your business, when you finally get to a place where you can, um, you know, put those responsibilities in someone else's hands and somebody who's, you know, better connected or, or whatever, I think you're less vulnerable to being um, taken advantage of, of because yeah. you, you know, you know, you've been at the reins before and I think, um, you know, you wouldn't be as easily, um, you know, ripped off or whatever. And it's, it's easy to, I mean, there's a lot of people who are going to promise you things and promise to, to, I'm sure you've had lots of people over the years who've told you like, they can do this for you. They can do this for you. And, um, you know, I'm thankful that like, I had a no-nonsense mother. Like, anytime she would get a sales call, she's like, what do you want and how much is it? You know, like, what are you selling? That's like what she said to salespeople. So um, maybe because of that, I've kind of taken things that people say with a grain of salt until, like, I have a signature on a dotted line and I have something in front of me. Yeah. Because people are going to present you with a lot of opportunities. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't take them, you know, and you should always have faith that, you know, things are going to work out. But at the same time, you do need to be a smart business person. You need to kind of know what you're signing up for. You know, when you're putting money into something, somebody to book you or, or manage you or do social media things for you, you, you need to know that they're vetted and that, you know, that you can trust them because yeah. your brand and your impression that goes out to other people, you can't change that once that goes out there you know like that that that's a good and bad thing about the internet anything you put out there is going to be seen be careful about that yeah yeah oh my gosh well that's amazing um what do you think being you know where you're at now having been through so much um and put so much effort into it i'm sure you've had to uh, make a lot of mistakes. You've had to learn yes. a lot of hard lessons. Um, what would you say to somebody who has, you know, worked on their voice, worked on their performance ability, and now they're kind of ready to like get out there and, and 
dip their toe in the professional pool. What would your advice be to them getting started um, just in the business in general and maybe in songwriting? Yeah, um, as far as in the business in general, I would say just, I mean, at, at first, when you're first starting out, take whatever gigs you can get, you know, go and audition and do things, you know, get yourself out of your comfort zone, because that is, I mean, when you see performers, I just saw a post, I think a week ago that was like, Beyonce rehearsed eight months for her two hour show, Yeah. you know, <laughs> and it, it's I mean, you have to perform so many times before you become comfortable on stage and you need to put in a lot of, they say, what, 10,000 hours to master your craft. So you need to do a lot of that legwork. So at the beginning, you're not going to do like these amazing gigs every time. I mean, I've done some very strange gigs over the years. I did one of my favorite gig stories is I got hired for a corporate gig to sing at a Asian grocery store next to the frozen food section. Not that that was a bad gig. I mean, it paid well, but sometimes you do weird things. I mean, I just do them because they're good experience. And um, I mean, anything that can, you can learn from. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is just taking every single opportunity that you get as a learning experience, you know, it, whether it's meeting new musicians and working with new musicians. I mean, the great thing for me was um, being in a genre like jazz and blues, I worked with a lot of older musicians. So I really was fortunate in that, like they kind of showed me the ropes, you know, and, and I was lucky to, to have those guidances because, you know, sometimes young musicians, um, they're great, but like when you go to see a young band playing at Soda Bar, you know, and playing all original music, it's not the same thing as, you know, as like working a corporate gig, you know, for, you know, thousands of people. And both are valid. I'm not saying that like original music shows are amazing and valid and, you know, but I think that as a good musician, you should do both. You should have both experiences because then that'll show you. I mean, for me, I did a lot of gigs, um, but now I'm finding that I really want to write and want to create more. And I still want to do gigs. I mean, don't get me wrong. But now at this point in my career, like I'm ready to have an original voice. And some people will, will find that path differently. And, and that's great, too. But I don't know. My recommendation is, is just do as many gigs as you can. Learn as much as you can. Yeah, that's great advice. So on the, the songwriting thing, talking about finding your voice, um, what has your songwriting evolution been like? Um, you know, was it easy? Were you just naturally gifted with this? Or was it something that took you a lot of time? How did that play out for you? So um, I used to write like poetry and kind of freeform songs and stuff in high school. And then like I always kind of wrote, but it wasn't until a couple years ago, um, one of the, you know, like you said, you, you'll meet somebody and it'll just go somewhere. One of the people that I met when I was working at the speakeasy club downtown was um, a wonderful, really good friend of mine and composer. Um, his name's Adam Johnson. He goes by Adam J. Eros. So he was actually working at the Shout House across the street, and he was the music entertainment director there. 
So him and I became good friends over the years. He wrote a song. I sang on it. He did like an alumni concert. I sang on that. Um, and we did, we did like lots of projects together. And then we just started writing together and he's got his degree in film composition. I mean, he, he writes country music. He writes all kinds of different stuff. So it was kind of with him, the process has been really amazing because we're both such good friends that, um, we can be really honest with each other. Mm -hmm. So the writing process has been cool because I really have a, a collaborative collaborative partner. I mean, we do everything 50-50 where sometimes I'll come up with the melody and um, kind of like a lyrical section, you know. I seem to come up with hooks a lot easier, you know, than anything else and I'll come up with a hook. And, you know, unfortunately, which I will say this to all young singers, learn to play piano and guitar, like do it. Yeah. I don't and I wish I did and I'm going to use this quarantine time to practice piano because we should. But it's a super useful writing tool because for me, I mean, a lot of times, but thank goodness, Adam is a good enough musician and I have like good enough ears that I can be like, I'm hearing this and then I'll sing it and then he'll try to figure out what chords I'm, I'm, I want. And then I'll be like, not that, like, how about this? And eventually we'll figure it out. But it would be so much faster if I could just play like a simplified chord and then he could expand on the voicing. That would make way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I but I'm, I'm the same. I, I thankfully did dive in more with piano because that's grossly neglected area of my life and musicianship. Yes. So this was a good opportunity for that, but you're so, so totally right. It's one of those things where wish I had, you know, wish I had, you know, paid a lot more attention to it, but you know, it's never too late to, yes, exactly. To, to get going on what you need to do. But um, so do you have any shows online performances coming up or anything in the works that we should know about? Well, I have some, I'm, I'm working on something. I don't have a set date yet. Technically, my album release is still on the calendar at the Belly Up for June, but I obviously don't think that that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the next shows that I have on the books technically are not until you know the fall right now but i will be doing an online concert i actually was in discussion with my band today and so we're getting all that lined up um i know that kpbs contacted me too about doing kind of an in-studio performance so you know but we're figuring out how to adapt for all of that you know how to do that and i mean i think that's an important thing right now is how can we gig and and be safe you know, that's and that's one of the reasons there's a lot of musicians who've been doing concerts all the time. And that's amazing. But I've been trying to err on the side of caution. Mm -hmm. So I did do a live stream show a couple of weeks ago for a great platform called Can't Stop the Blues. And that was really successful. There was like, I don't know, 15,000 views of that or something wow. like that. There was a lot of people who tuned into that. And that was amazing. Um, so I'm going to do another one coming up. I don't have a set date yet, but, um, but yeah, this is seeing everybody do all their concerts and seeing Rebecca's and how great hers was the other day. Yeah. That's super inspiring, um, to do it, but also like, I think curate the content. So it's not just, you know, me sitting with my phone and like trying to do that, but I think really doing these concerts 
in an effective and visually appealing and sonically appealing way, mm -hmm. I think that that's really important because that's going to be the future for right now. So we need to figure out how to make it good. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's going to, when you put something on the internet, like you said, it's going to be there. For it stays a while. forever. So you want it to be good. <laughs> so what are, what are your socials? How can people find your music? Where do you oh man. If I didn't have my thing mirrored, I could show this because I had to have it the other day. Um, I wrote it on something, but now it's backwards. But it's uh, <laughs> it's WhitneyShea.com. Um, Whitney Shea Sings is pretty much like YouTube.com slash Whitney Shea Sings, Facebook.com slash Whitney Shea Sings, Instagram.com slash Whitney Shea Sings, and Twitter is Whitney Shea Sing because I couldn't have the S. It was too many characters. Okay. But everything else is pretty much Winnie Shakespeare.